Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as hosts Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Crazy day in the sports world here, and we are on the Mike Abadir Show. Gino Bacola, your co-host, alongside the main man, Mike Abadir. For the first time ever, we have the NBA draft on the same day that is the final day of the MLB trade deadline. So over the last few hours, you know, on, on a just like in any sport, the day of the draft, there are all these trades leading up and then all these big rumors about trades leading up because when people have the assets and the opportunity to move up and down, it's a perfect time to, to trade, to get older, to get younger, or whatever you need. And then at the same time, in baseball, we are getting huge news with big name players being traded in just the last couple hours. Scherzer reportedly on the move, but Apparently, there are still some other teams that are trying last-ditch efforts to steal him away and to offer a better deal. Rizzo, apparently, on the move. Joey Gallo moved recently. We've seen some pitchers moving. Uh, Kendall Graveman, a good reliever. I think I just saw Diego Castillo. He's moving. So there are a lot of names moving around. I'm sure I've missed some. Mike, this is a a real newsworthy, buzzworthy last few hours. Yeah, I think the the A's... Yankees and Cubs have uh, in total been involved, you know, with probably the most activity. They's obviously making it very clear that uh, with uh, uh, getting some bullpen help from Chicago with Chafin, that um, they don't feel that their rotation is an issue at all, right? Especially when you give up uh, Jesus Lazardo, who is their top prospect just uh, two, three years ago in the minor league system. And he's shown some flashes. I don't think this is necessarily them giving up on him, but landing Starling Marte, that could be the difference between finishing first and second in that division. Yankees who are going nowhere thus far, make a huge, huge move for Anthony Rizzo today, Joey Gallo yesterday. And of course the Cubs, they get rid of both relievers, Chafin, like I mentioned, Tapera, who's been really, really solid for them. Rizzo as well. We'll see what happens with Chris Bryant. Um, It'll be interesting to see how the dominoes fall with respect to Trevor Story now, because the Yankees at one point were the kind of the main contender for him. But apparently John Heyman's reporting that they're out on Trevor Story now because of Rizzo and uh, Joey Gallo. And that makes the um, what it does for the Yankees a couple things, right? Um, Does it mean they're going to win the division right now? I don't know. But I do know that it makes their team a hell of a lot better with those two guys in the lineup. And so that, if that's they're a great, in a, that's a great point, though. What are they doing this for? Do they? Well, if, you, if any and, and, and maybe maybe they do, because what? There's still 60 games left in the year. So we're still talking about not 20. We're still talking about enough time for a team to 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 get really hot. But if you run into this Yankees team now, they are just a much better team. The, the team that they had been fielding, like you said, you saw them last weekend. We talked about it on Thursday. They were having three, four, like, minor league players every night on the field. They, this is going to be just a massive upgrade. Not even because these two are two of the best players in the league right now, but just compared to who the Yankees were putting out there night in, night out. One, 
and what it does is what you and I were talking a little bit about it before the uh, before the break. It it blocks this move from Boston. It Boston was heavily rumored to be in on Anthony Rizzo. He would have been someone that with their lineup, could you imagine another addition with a bat like that, a very smart hitter, someone who's got postseason experience? Like that would have just made a Boston lineup relentless and and really given them so few weaknesses on the offensive side that they don't they don't really have many as it is. Um more and, and I feel kind of that way with what the Padres did with Scherzer. Of course, they want some pitching because they've lost a lot of their pitching, but they're looking at this going, we can't let the Dodgers get Scherzer. We have to do whatever we can to get him. And so I think both the Yankees and the, the Padres might have looked up and said, hey, maybe we don't catch those teams in front of us, like the Dodgers, the Red Sox, whatever. But if we get into, we block them from getting these key pieces. And if we get into a series with them or somebody else, we are going to be a lot better suited to, to try to fight our way out of that. How about the last 12 months for the Padres? Clevenger, Darvish, Snell, Scherzer. I mean, it's yeah. really, really remarkable what they've done. They recognize that they are in the toughest division in baseball. They're committed to win. And let's not underestimate the fact that the Chargers aren't in town anymore. So they're kind of like the whole shebang for San Diego. It's them and SDSU. So I think they're very beloved in San Diego. There isn't necessarily a lot of media or fanfare nationwide about the Padres, but they are a team to be reckoned with. But and, uh, I think this move today is because of uh, you know Clevenger's health and because Snell's underperformed. Absolutely. And uh, Rosenthal actually had just tweeted that uh, the Dodgers are still one of the clubs in the mix for Scherzer. Uh, other teams are still trying to top the Padres' offer. So didn't the Dodgers do this with Bauer this year too with the Mets? Wasn't with the Mets, right? We, we was, even was, reported that the Mets uh, got everybody, him. Everybody, uh, everybody went to sleep. Him. Everybody went to sleep. Yeah, because and then the news came out really early in the morning. Um, so, well, I think that's a fair disclaimer, by the way. A lot of these that we're talking about are kind of being reported and agreed. Uh, upon I wouldn't stuff. say that they're absolutely final. So. You know, if if things change, don't come back at us and be like, hey, I thought you said because we're just repeating what John (laughs) Heyman and Rosenthal and ESPN and MLB Network are uh, are showing on the ticker or on Mm -hmm. their websites. But uh, But, like you said, a lot can happen just with the little the devil is in the details, as they mm -hmm. say. And I believe we have our first guest on the line, Mike. Uh, why don't you introduce them? Yeah, a friend of the show who's been on with us several times before. We love June Lee from his Bleacher Report days and now with ESPN. June, a lot going on today in the last 24 hours involving the American League East. If reports are true that the Yankees got Rizzo, do you think that's more because their offense just hasn't been up to par? Or is it to block the Red Sox because they were the team that apparently was most interested in him, if you believe the reports out there? It's probably a little bit of both. I mean, the Yankees have had such an inconsistent offensive team this year. Um, I'm not sure that how much you know acquiring Joey Gallo solves that problem, given he's a he's as he's a prototypical uh, three true outcome type of hitter. Um, so I, I, there's there is definitely a benefit for the Yankees, you know, blocking the Red Sox from getting Rizzo and plucking up one of Boston's biggest deficiencies uh, offensively at first base, um, while also trying to improve. That being said, uh, the Yankees' problems extend beyond just the lineup. I mean, it's the pitching that's been inconsistent. 
Um, the fact that Corey Kluber is still not back. Um, you know, Glaber Torres being uh, offensively inconsistent throughout the course of this year. Um, I'm not sure that these are the moves that are going to push the Yankees over the edge, but you know, the Yankees being the Yankees are always going to are seemingly always going to continue to go for even if the prospect of them making the playoffs this year seems more grim than it usually is. Yeah, it's really interesting that you say that because Gino was just hitting on that a moment ago before you came on, which is uh, a question that I raised. What are the Yankees doing this for? Is it for a one-game playoff to get the right to be in a one-game playoff? Seems like a lot of effort for a team that's nine games back. They really must believe that they're going to be getting their guns back in time to be able to make a dent in the playoffs, no? It's also the Yankees, though, right? Like, how Steinbrenner wants this team to be a perennial contender on a year-to-year basis. The fan base has enormously high expectations for this team annually. Uh, and they're, I mean, they're always, they're always trying to go for it. Um, you know, you have Aaron Judge, who's still in his core. You still, you know, presumably have this young Yankees core that Brian Cashman put together that people expected to be a perennial, you know, World Series contender. Uh, but they haven't been able to put it together this year for a variety of reasons. So um, I think that this is a manifestation not only of just kind of the, the pressure that you see in the, in the, in the Yankee, in the New York market, um, but of the fact that, you know, this is Brian Cashman's continuing to go for it, and he doesn't want to be a seller at the trade deadline. It's a bad look for the Yankees to, to, to be a seller. And, it, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to make up that kind of a ground. But it, it reminded me a lot, is what Mike and I were talking about before uh, we had John, it sort of reminds me a lot of what the, the Padres are doing on the other side too, right? You, you look at where the Padres are sitting, and it might not be easy to try to, to jump the Dodgers and the Giants the way the Giants keep playing. They just beat the Dodgers again right now. But um, they they definitely, if they're able to, to lock Scherzer down in a, a one-game playoff situation or just as far as what they could throw out there in a series, I mean, that just makes them a better team. So I think it's a little bit of both, right? Even if you don't you don't get the chance to win the division, you get a little bit better. And, uh, oh, yeah, by the way, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll not make things easy on one of our, uh, our, our, our rivals. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's, it's just, I think teams are always trying to find ways to improve the Padres getting, uh, you know, presumably getting someone like Max, Max Scherzer is a really big deal for them, especially because they really, really have gone for it this year. I mean, this was, they, they traded for Blake Snell, they traded for Hugh Darvish, like, the Padres are all in on this year, and so this is, this is I think, in alignment generally with their mentality on how they've approached this season. So, June, i got to ask you, is Chris Sale the Red Sox trade deadline deal? Or are they going to actually go after it, somebody? I mean, from what I've heard about the Red Sox and how they're approaching the trade deadline, um, you know, they they are not going to make a rental type of move. Um, they are not going to invest a ton of profit capital in getting someone just to go for this year. You know, Heim Bloom came into uh, working with the Red Sox. Uh, with the mentality that he wanted to build a sustainable winner. Um, he's been working hard to continue to build up that, that draft prospect capital. Uh, and so uh, I don't expect him to go on. And Chris Sale, you know, is going to be a, a really big X factor. And I think shaping how this American League credit race continues to look moving forward. Yeah, because it's really interesting. All their division uh, rivals 
that are contending. You know, even the Blue Jays today uh, landed uh, a really good closer in Brad Hand from the Nationals. Yeah. Um, Yankees, like we've uh, discussed, have been making moves. The Rays have made a couple of moves. The biggest, most splashy one, of course, has been for that slugger, uh, that ageless slugger, I should say, never never gets old, just like fine wine, keeps uh, crushing the ball. But I don't know. I, I sense that the Red Sox may feel that they should stand pat, not deal with any of their players that are part of their future, because I think they were so depleted, it took them – a little bit of time to be able to replenish. They're probably still not fully there, but maybe you could give us a quick indicator as to the health of the minor league system right now as a whole and uh, what might be coming up uh, you know, in the pipeline soon. We got a quick glimpse with uh, Duran, speedy, speedy center fielder who looks really, really good. Maybe you could tell us about him and the minor league system, if you may. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I would say Duran is probably the most hyped Red Sox prospect that's come up since Mookie. I don't think he's in the same class of prospect and talent as Mookie and, and Xander Bogarts were because, uh, you know, when Xander, when Bogarts came up through the minor leagues, he was, you know, considered a consensus number one, number two top prospect in all of baseball. Mookie was kind of a top 50 guy and kind of rocketed through the system so quick that the, the rankings didn't really have time to adjust to, to reflect his talent. Duran, I think, is kind of a step below that. Um, you know, there's a lot of Jacoby Ellsbury comparisons because of the speed. Duran has more power. He's kind of more of a modern outfielder in terms of how he um, approaches launch angle and, and, and wanting to hit for power. Um, and then you also have Tristan Costa as the future for this team uh, at, at first base uh, moving forward. Um, you know, Bobby Dahlbeck started the year as, as the first base in this year and, and has really, really struggled to uh, hit consistently at all. Uh, and then you have, ov- obviously, the, the, the shortstop that they drafted out of high school this year, Marcelo Meyer, who uh, uh, a lot of people consider to be the number one uh, prospect in the entire draft, and the Red Sox got him at number four, uh, something I'm, I'm sure Bloom was ecstatic about. Um, you know, this farm system isn't at the same place as it was before, uh, Dave Dombrowski came in and, you know, traded Michael Kopech and Yoel Moncada and, uh, you know, traded away guys in order to uh, acquire Chris Sale and, and Craig Kimbrell. But it's definitely on the way back, and, and Heimblum is starting to put the pieces together there to make sure that they have a kind of Dodgers, East Coast, sustainable farm system uh, while also having kind of the financial flexibility to go out and get that free agent. All fascinating stuff here, June. Uh, you know, not to, to belabor the point, but, you know, you look at all the contenders. I mentioned the AL East, but, I mean, even the, the American League as a whole, you know, the Astros are making moves. A's made a big move with Starling Marte. That's a big the bullpen White move for the Astros. You know, yeah, uh, it, enough to, awesome. to piss off their existing team with the Both Mariners, teams, you know? Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so... Like I said, I don't want to kind of harp on this, but to me it's fascinating that the Red Sox feel that they are good to go. Who knows? Maybe in the last few hours they are, um, you know, they pull the trigger on somebody. If there was that somebody, who do you think it might be, June? Is it is Dahlback really the, you know, the kind of the key 
replacement guy? Yeah, I mean, I, I think from from what I've heard, um, you know, first base was kind of that that glaring position. I thought Rizzo was probably the most realistic guy that they were going to go after. Um, obviously, that's not happening. Um, I mean, the American League is kind of you. You mentioned just kind of the fact that uh, a lot of teams in the American League are, are are buying right now, and I think that's a reflection of just kind of the overall kind of mediocrity of the American League so far this year. Like, there's not really a team that I think when you watch these games, looks like they're running away with it. You know, as good as the Red Sox have been throughout the course of this season, I don't think that the gap between them and the Blue Jays is that enormous. Uh, it's a couple of things, like flipping the right way, like some of the pitching uh, acquisitions from, from the from the offseason in, in uh, Garrett Richards and, and Nick Pavetta, who they acquired near the end of last year, um, you know, have it, having good starts and really good stretches, and, and Martin Perez having good stretches. I, I think it's a reflection of the fact that a lot of teams in the American League are think they're kind of in a position to, to go for it right now, which is why I, I completely understand the Seattle Mariners uh, clubhouse being uh, ticked off about uh, Jerry Depoto trading away Kendall Graveman because uh, that that was their their top reliever so far this year, and trading him away to the division rival. Uh, certainly is not great optically and, and is not good for the morale of that clubhouse unless he somehow pulls off a, a major trade to offset that over the course of the next 24 hours or so. Hey, June, I wanted to ask you about uh, clubhouse morale. I think that's a very good point, and it actually leads perfectly to my next question, which is, you know, and I'm going to stick with the Red Sox just for one final question here, Gino. Uh, do you think that standing pat, if that's what ends up happening – sends a message to the guys that we're, we've got a ton of faith in you or is it the opposite, which is, w- wait a second, we're on the verge. Where's the commitment to winning? Psychologically, what do you think the clubhouse is feeling right about now or after 1 p.m. tomorrow Pacific time uh, or is it Eastern time, whichever the case, the trade deadline tomorrow? How do you think the clubhouse is going to be reacting or feeling? I think that the, the Red Sox this year are an incredibly confident team. Alex Cora, I think, has like kind of restored some of the mojo that they didn't have last year under Ron Renicky. Um, you know, he was saying in spring training, even before you know most of the media kind of had written off the Red Sox as a potential division uh, candidate for the division, um, that he believed that this was a playoff team. And um, you know, players really, really love playing for Alex Cora. And I think the kind of confidence that he instills. Um, in their day-to-day interactions and through his comments in the media. Uh, I think this team believes that they're good enough to, to make a run now, even, even as is. Um, and so I don't think that if, if they decide to stand pat, it's any indictment on this current team. And I don't think anyone in the clubhouse would take it that way. June, before we let you go, if you could give our listeners uh, how they could follow you on social media. Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at June Lee, J-O-O-N-L-E-E, or you can follow me on Instagram at June. Covers the Red Sox as well as MLB at large. June, we thank you so much. We know your time is precious. You, I know that the Red Sox have already kicked off uh, this game against the Blue Jays here. They just gunned down uh, Bichette at the plate, but they're still down 2-0. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, June. Thanks for having me on. So, Gina, we just covered – a lot of the East Coast. Let's talk a little West Coast baseball with another friend of the show, Melissa Lockhart. We'll take a quick commercial timeout. 
and we will get to some A's and Giants Bay Area baseball. Stay with us. We will be right back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at the com. Now, back to this week's program. Back here, so much news happening in the world of baseball today. Basketball, lots of rumors going around. And we uh, have our next guest on the line, Mike. Uh, why don't you introduce her? Yeah, you know what's really interesting, Gino, is that not that long ago, I mean, time really, really flies. We had Melissa Lockhart with, on with us telling us about this prospect that they were going to call up named Jesus Lazardo. We had her come on another time talking about his health. Now we're talking about his departure. Melissa, how are you? On with Mike and Gino. I'm doing well, thanks. Yeah, crazy day today. Yeah, so do you think this is this trade with the Rays – uh, you know, to get the big stick, the athletic player, the guy that could swipe some bags in Starling Marte. Do you think this was more about addressing a need or secretly do you think that they've kind of given up on Jesus Lazardo, even though he hasn't been terrible, he hasn't been living up to the number one prospect billing? No, I think this was a trade strictly focused on this season and they're, um, you know, they're kind of putting all their chips in. I think they recognize that a window for them to win with the guys that they currently have in the clubhouse is, is, is getting a little bit narrower. And, you know, they've managed to put together pretty good pitching staff, um, even with Jesus Lazardo struggling. Um, and so I felt, I think they felt like the thing they couldn't just manufacture out of nowhere is the kind of player Starling Marte is, a, you know, 300 hitter who hits home runs, steals bases, plays a great defensive center field. And even though it's only going to be for these couple of months, they have that opportunity to get to the postseason and win with this group. And they're going to take every opportunity to try to do that with this. And then, you know, come the off season, if they're at a point where they need to blow things up, you know, they, they'll do that, but they want this, this chance to win this season. Yeah. And the A's have been really good at bringing back, guys that they trade for, whether it be in-season or off-season, you know, like uh, Chris Davis comes to mind and uh, Marcus Simeon played there for a little while. 
Uh, you know, do you think Starling Marte is kind of in the team's, you know, short-term future, or uh, maybe he'll stick around for a little while? I mean, you know, I think if their budget opens up, if somehow the stadium thing gets uh, worked out and the CBA is agreed upon early enough in the off season with in a way that they feel like their budget can can change, you know, that's all ultimately up to John Fisher and what he decides he wants to spend on the team. Um, you know, sure. I mean, I think Starling Marte is a player pretty much every team in Major League Baseball would love to have, and I'm sure he'll have a ton of suitors this off season. Um, you know, I think it's just a matter of. Uh, you know, the fact that their budget is incredibly uncertain right now, I think it's pretty clear John Fisher is not going to spend money until he knows that he has a stadium deal in place and or the CBA changes the way that, you know, salary is structured around the league. And uh, under those parameters, you know, I think everything's sort of year to year for this team. You know, it's really interesting. We were just talking to June Lee of ESPN about the uh, Red Sox kind of staying pat so far. When you look across the bridge, you know, the two teams in baseball that have exceeded expectations, whether it be uh, beat writers, whether it be the uh, analytics models and prediction models, the Giants and the Red Sox, and they have both been remarkably quiet thus far. What's going on with the Giants? What are they looking to do? Are they going to stand pat for the most part? Or are they going to make a big splashy deal? What are you hearing over there? Yeah, I mean, I think they're in obviously a very different situation in that, um, you know, not only do they have this opportunity to win this year, and I do think they will make a move uh, to enhance that team because they are in such a good position, but they also are building something that they expect to be competitive for the next several seasons. So, um, I, you know, I, I would expect them to make a move. I'd be very surprised if they stand pat, but I also think they're not going to be making any kind of moves that would sort of um, cut off their ability to continue to build on what they've been doing from their farm system on up uh, in, in building towards an, a bigger window that I think they feel like it's going to be open from now until the next several seasons. But uh, that being said, I, I really do think they've been in on Scherzer. They've been in on you know Chris Bryan and all these other names. And so um, I, I expect they'll come away with somebody. Yeah, I think I saw the uh, the, the stat the other day that said that the Giants this year, um, who again beat the Dodgers today, and are now I believe three games. And the, you know, coming into the start of the second half, there were seven games of the first ten, I believe, that these two teams played against each other, and uh, or the Giants just continued to play well. I think, or they had seven, they had seven games against each other, and I think they won. Uh, Five, five of the seven, three, three, one, and three, uh, and, and two, one in the, the the two series that against the Dodgers. So they seem like they're uh, a team that kind of like you said. I think they have to do something because where they are, um, f- fifteen years since the team has been kind of over projections more and overplaying where people thought they were early on. But you look at the way this team does it, and you know I keep thinking they're going to go on a losing streak, or everybody keeps assuming they're just going to come back to life, but. A lot of what they do is very um, is very simple, and it's a lot of the things that make you win in the regular season. Does this mean they're going to win the World Series? No, but the more and more I watch this team play, they're very fundamental. They have good at-bats. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They don't hurt themselves. Those are the kind of things that help you win every day in baseball. Yeah, and I think there's no reason why they couldn't win the World Series. I mean, they Absolutely. don't have, yeah. you know, a, yeah, they don't have a Max Scherzer necessarily unless they acquire him, you know, at the last minute and get under the Padres deal. But 
Um, you know, but they have a very strong starting pitching staff. I think that bullpen has looked much better recently than it had earlier in the season. And, you know, I would be surprised if they didn't enhance that in some way in the next, you know, several hours. Um, and the lineup, yeah, you're right. They grind at bats. They, they have, you know, good platoons that they can kind of pull out, you know, throughout a game to be strategically ahead of whatever the other team is doing. And fundamentally, they just kind of do everything really well. So, um, you know, I think that's, that is what you look for for a team that's going to sustain a long run in October. And I think at this point, you know, it, it would be surprising if they did go on a long losing streak just based on how they've managed to sort of maintain this level of play for so long. Well, whatever happens in the last few hours here, one thing I'm impressed with is that they're not looking kind of in the uh, – they're not looking to match, let's just say, what the Dodgers and the Padres are doing. They're kind of in their own world. They're in first place, and uh, they don't have maybe that reactionary button to, to make a move, which is very interesting. Melissa, I know that you are on a time deadline. You've got a lot going on. You're going to be up all night reporting and writing, and we're going to read it in The Athletic. So thank you so much for joining us. Really appreciate it. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing what the Bay Area teams do because they're both winning and looking good. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. Thanks so much for having me on. Melissa, really quickly, how can uh, our listeners follow you on social media? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on Twitter at, at Melissa Lockard. It's M-E-L-I-S-S-A-L-O-C-K-A-R-D. You can find all my stuff there. Melissa, thank you so much as always. Thank really you, appreciate Melissa. having you on. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So, Gino, it's... You know, I I know I've said this now like five times, but the teams that are kind of outperforming the projections, the Red Sox and the Giants, been really quiet so far. So far, they stood pat. Am I crazy to find that just very, very fascinating? I'm fascinated by it. I think I said, and yeah, no, well, I I think I told you last week that I thought they were the two teams that it was the most important for because, um, you you are in a situation now that you didn't think you were going to be in and you are not like I, I agree with her right if there's no reason why the Red Sox or the Giants couldn't win the World Series right now with the teams that they had but I don't think either one of them would be favored even if they had the best records in their leagues going in I, I just because if, if this was their team moving forward now let's see if the Red Sox get sale back and sale is incredible, but that's a lot of pressure on someone who has not thrown a pitch for a while. I, I think we had this conversation previously. Sale is a great icing on the cake. You, you're not depending on him. You don't need him to go out there and be that guy. And then if he is any semblance of himself, then it's a, oh, wow, we got that too. But I, it's... It's scary to be in his position where you go, oh, well, we're not going to make a move. We've got sale coming back, you know, um, if, uh, example, like the Dodgers might be doing that in relief. Um, I actually had, they heard they were interested in Daniel Hudson. They were trying uh, who also pitches for Washington and then trying to get maybe a package with Scherzer and Hudson there together. Um, what's nice about where the Dodgers are kind of right now is um, they have Corey Kniebel who just started in his uh, his rehab assignment last week, he was the Dodgers' best relief pitcher to start the season. He was excellent. He was a former closer, and he's really good. Um, 
And so he's the kind of guy who is nice that like, okay, so now maybe the Dodgers don't have to make another move for a bullpen piece there because they have a guy like Knievel coming in. And I, um, I just don't know if you'd want to depend like for the Red Sox, they just feel like they need another pitcher so much. I don't know if you'd want to put all your eggs in the, if Knievel doesn't work out for the Dodgers, it's not a big deal, right? It doesn't, but if, if sale doesn't work out for the Red Sox, they're not going to have other options. The Dodgers could pull someone up. They could turn someone into a reliever. They could do a lot of other things. Boston's not going to have that kind of a luxury if they're depending on sale to be their number one starter come playoff time. Well, the good news is that sale has been really, really good um, thus far in his rehab assignments. Uh, you know, if you go off of strikeout numbers, he's pretty dominant. Now, obviously, strikeout numbers are skewed nowadays. But I kind of want to go back to something that you were mentioning earlier. I think we could play a little game here, which is uh, favorite or underdog. You said that you didn't think that they would necessarily be the favorites if uh, they're in the World Series. So how about this? If the Red Sox get to the ALCS, and we'll do the Giants next, who would they be favored against and who would be they be dogs against? Let's start with the AL West teams. They would, uh, the Astros would be favored against the Red Sox. Okay. For sure. For sure. Um, the Red Sox uh, would probably be favored over the, uh, over the A's or anybody else from. Now, the, is that just because that. The, uh, they have got? Uh, and I'm just saying this is like what, of Verlander and the offense. Is that kind of what you're thinking? Uh, I'm just saying the comment. Yeah, just it's just as far as like or Granky, excuse me, Granky. Yeah, the the betting the betting is concerned. Um, and two, and just like how these teams are projected overall, how the teams were projected before the year, just a lot of th- like I think overall pitching. They they will have more. So I, I I think the Red Sox and the White Sox would probably be very close. I still think okay. the Red Sox would probably be a slight would probably be the slight favorite over them. Um, okay. I don't know if they would against Tampa though. Um, Tampa's kind of their kryptonite in a way. Yeah, they've I, done I, I well don't... against them this year so far. Uh, better than the, uh, I guess. Actually, they started off pretty poorly against the Rays this year. They've kind of turned it around a little bit. But I agree with you. Tampa's always been their nemesis, man. Yeah. So I think, um, I, and that's just sort of how because from watching and betting a lot of the days baseball and kind of seeing how teams are and just kind of kind of projecting who would be favored as far as like pitching matchups and stuff. I think yeah, and and that would be right now without making a move. If sure. the Red Sox make a and, move and go get a pitcher. If they go got if they went and got Scherzer, or or like uh, Barrios would be a nice addition for them. But I felt like if they got Scherzer, someone that we know is like a real number one, they would be the favorite in the American League now. Because um, it does feel like it's them and the Astros that are the two best teams right now. The White Sox are very good, but they still feel like um, you got to kind of see it from them in the playoffs first. You know, I kind of feel that way with them. I'd like to see them. If beat a Boston or a, an Astros team, and then who knows what you're going to get from the A's, from the 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 Yankees, and maybe anybody else that's chasing. Um, but I, I, yeah, that that's you know, and the same thing with the Giants. Like you look at the Giants, the Giants wouldn't be favored in a series against the Dodgers or the Padres. The Giants probably wouldn't be favored in a series against the Brewers. They would probably be favored against whoever they play from the American League East if that was a series like the Mets or anyone that came out of there. And then if there was another team from the Central that came out. But yeah, they, if you were if they make the playoffs and, and, and you looked at the, the, all the teams that were, were in there, they would probably have, you know, it, it, they, would, they would be in a series. So the wildcard teams would have 
higher odds because they'd have to win that game at first to get in. But the, the four teams like that would be locked in. The, uh, they would be probably third of the four, maybe. Yeah, it, it, on a series basis for sure, but even on individual game basis too. Because I think one of the Absolutely. things that, from a general public's perspective, is when you look at the the matchups. You know, whether you're going up against Clayton Kershaw or Bueller or Scherzer or even Urias, uh, you know, Urias or or you know uh, uh, Musgrove or who knows who uh, how the rotation is going to be set up down there in San Diego. But in either case, who would the Giants put out there that would make them the favorite over any of those names I mentioned? I mean, Gaussman and DeScalafini have had awesome years, but they, again, are they guys that really terrify you in a playoff matchup? And then Cueto? Great years, but I mean, do you see them being a favorite over Bueller? Absolutely over not. Absolutely no not. way. And not whoever San Diego throws out. How about the three guys that then, Milwaukee then, then throws why out? Why have they? Then why have they won five of seven as you mentioned? That, against, that's what's getting me against the Dodgers. Against the Dodgers recently, because well, I agree what? with. I think one, if you look at it from a series or individual matchups, Dodgers would be favorite in all of those games, probably every single one. So yeah, why a, isn't it happening? A couple. Uh, one, well, the Dodgers haven't had Kershaw in, to start twice in either of those games. So that would have been two two more Kershaw starts. He, he, he'll he be back soon. They're just kind of giving him some time. Um, two, they're not playing well. I, and what I mean by that is the Dodgers are, are, are doing a lot of things – uh, throughout the regular season that the Giants don't. The Dodgers are making a ton of errors. They're 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 not getting the key timely hits. They're they're hurting themselves. They're not taking in in the, in the most basic way possible. They're not taking these games as serious as the Giants are. The Giants are taking the games against the Dodgers much more seriously. And these games that are 2-1 games that the Giants win, they should have been games that the Dodgers are up for earlier on. And like today, it was unfortunate. The Dodgers, and anytime the Dodgers score like over six or seven runs, play against them the next day because they're not going to score. They've just been real, that's how they've been all year. They've been really inconsistent when they like when they blow up. Then the next day they don't score anything, and that's exactly what happened. They had a great outing yesterday. Then they turn around today and they they can't score. And Price started for them, so it wasn't like one of their top, uh, you know. But it, you you keep wanting to like. Like I said, you keep wanting to uh, think the Giants are going to come back to life, but they do a lot of the things that make you win everyday baseball. Um, I don't know if when everyone else's focus is up in the playoffs, because, you know, that's when things change. And as much as it's like, how come the Dodgers just can't focus all the time? Well, it's kind of hard when you're a good team and you've been in the World Series like what, three out of the four last four years. And when you've won the World Series and you've been in all the it's just hard to always be up when everybody else is so up for you. But then the playoffs start and you're kind of all on the same energy level. So that's just always going to be my concern with uh, with a team like the Giants, even more than the Red Sox, because the Red Sox can just in the first inning be up five to nothing before you blink an eye. I, I don't, you know, you don't get that feel from the Giants team. No, not at all. Gino, let's take a quick commercial timeout. I've got a couple of other thoughts on the Dodgers. I don't want to move off of them just yet. And uh, we'll talk about some other trades and maybe even get into a little NBA talk, NFL training camp talk, if we got the time to do it. Stay with us, everyone. We will be right back.
Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Want to play the ponies and win? At Winning Ponies, we go inside and behind the scenes with the top jockeys, trainers, and handicappers. The Winning Ponies Radio Show with John Englehart, racing's regular guy, is the perfect complement to the Winning Ponies handicapping website. Catch us live every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Win prizes just for calling in. Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety channel find out what's happening on the voice america talk radio network by keeping up with us on twitter you can find us at voice america trn streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at themikeabadirshow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Final segment here on the Mike Abadir Show as we're talking a lot about the uh, MLB trade deadline today. The NBA draft is starting in just about 15 minutes, so a big news day as there are lots of players moving around and, uh, and changing teams. And we're talking Red Sox and now into the Dodgers, who uh, the Dodgers did make a move today. Um, they did acquire Danny Duffy. From Kansas City, they've been uh, one of your teams that you like. You've liked uh, the last couple of years, KC, and he's someone who was was like highly regarded early on, and he's had some good games. He he's the type of pitcher that the Dodgers take a shot on, and um, won't. He's not that great. Um, you, he could be a lefty that just becomes like a situational lefty, maybe in the bullpen, and he could help them right now through the, the next two months eat up some innings and just start some games where right now, I mean, they're trying to continue to stretch price back out. Um, they, they're missing Kershaw still, obviously with no Bauer, they, you know, Gonsolin's still getting stretched back out. So they could use any additional arms right now that can eat up some innings. Yeah. I was going to say the thing that's kind of glaring to me and I kind of eyeballed it, but I hadn't necessarily gone back and pulled the stats on it. Ned Coletti pointed it out after uh, maybe two games, three games ago, which is the Dodgers have been really bad in close games. I want to say he said something bad. like one in 10 in extra innings. I mean, is that oh, even... No, it's worse. It's 11. It's one in 11. It's one not in 11. I mean, and, that's just unbelievable. Which is, and that's, that's when you look at the numbers, and this was something that I uh, was talking a little bit about last week, is that th- those things are funny because, like, you can be a... Like, th- it doesn't make sense, basically. It doesn't. It, and there's no way to make sense of it. Like, you could say, well, yeah, the Dodgers only beat teams that they're better than. Well, 
they lost to a lot of bad teams in extra innings. And it's there's their bullpen and their pitching depth is set up better than anyone offensively. The rules of of extra innings there. Why wouldn't they help the Dodgers more than another team when with the Dodgers offense and they already have a runner on second? If they're one hit away from a run or one swing away from being up to nothing. It doesn't make sense, really. But it it kind of tells me that the hitters might be pressing a little bit. And the reason I say that is because they've got the most runs scored in all of baseball. So we know they have the offense. So what, what, how do you add it all up then? How are they 1-11 in, in those types of games but have the most runs in baseball? I think it's because they're blowing out a lot of teams because they are an offensive machine. And uh, in tight games, they press a little bit. I mean, that's the only explanation that I've got, Gino. And I don't know why they would have to press. Well, it's um, the reason know, maybe why it's because really Turner, uh, Taylor, and uh, Muncie have really, really carried the team. That's it, right? Whereas, there. and I was going to mention this earlier too, by the way, which is what's going on with the uh, the MVP guys from a couple of years ago, Yelich and Bellinger. Remember that race? Yeah. Remember they were the best two players, best two hitters in baseball. Sweet left-handed swings. What's going on with those guys? I haven't seen a fall from grace like that in a while. And they both kind of like seemingly at the same time have fallen. They're not old by any stretch of the imagination. You know, I think that's kind of hurting the Dodgers too. Well, the Dodgers have had a lot of replacement level players are less hitting in a lot of those big spots too. Like you said, the Dodgers team this year has basically been, you know, um, consistently about four players, uh, Turner, Taylor, Muncie, and Will Smith. Uh, Paul oh, yeah. Pollock's sure. been been very strong as of late, but in a lot of those other spots, they had um, you know a lot of minor league players that just were not performing well. So it wasn't the Dodger lineup that you were expecting. I think that's why they were a little bit inconsistent, and maybe they were tight in some games because it just there were players that weren't weren't the best players in those situations. Um, I do think, and like some of the one run stuff is really crazy. They've been been like absurdly bad in one run games and you look at a lot of it I I don't know um it, it's you don't like saying unlucky. It is a little bit unlucky because when you look at some of like the FanGraphs numbers and you look at some of the advanced stats, there are I think like the Dodgers show up on all those lists as a team that should be like plus 6 or plus 7 more wins than they have. Um just kind of based on the way the games have 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 fallen. So, um it's, you know, it's it's weird because we keep thinking the Dodgers are going to just go off on a 10-game win streak and the Giants are going to lose 10 in a row. Now the Dodgers are three behind the Giants. What actually helped the Dodgers is that the Padres took, t- or the Pirates took two of three from the Giants over the weekend to kind of help keep the Giant- the Dodgers being too far behind them. Three games is still within striking range. You don't want to get back four or five games uh, behind them then. And, and as a Dodger fan... The scariest thing in the world with a really good team is having to put yourself in a one-game playoff situation, you know, because anything could happen in that. Oh, yeah, no doubt about that, Ben. So I want to hear maybe your thoughts, your philosophy on when you have a deep minor league system with a ton of great prospects like the Dodgers do, some people look at it like, okay, Let's take the the catcher Ruiz that the Dodgers have in their minor league system. Some teams at it like his path to the majors is blocked by Will Smith. But I kind of look at it like how many times have we seen that scenario 
and then they trade the youngster. And then the guy that's ahead of him either gets hurt or leaves in free agency or something like that. And then they're without a catcher uh, two years from now. What's your philosophy on how do you mortgage the future for winning now? Are there certain positions that maybe you do that with? Maybe you do that with infielders or outfielders and not infielders or... You do that with anybody but a catcher or for, a pitcher or what are your thoughts? For me, a lot of a lot of it comes down to length of time. You know, I think if you're getting rid of Ruiz, um, who could be excellent for an extended period of time, I wouldn't want to do it just for the Scherzer possible rental. It would be if we were going to give up Ruiz, I would be wanting to then give up one or two more things and get back Trey, Trey Turner too. You know what I'm saying? Like like a package of a couple players that at least you have um you're you're going to upgrade to what you think are are win now players instead of some of your prospects. I'm fine with that. Um I don't want the rental necessarily to give for, for Ruiz and as far as like the 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 catching is concerned, I think you're you're right. Um I I actually the very much trust the Dodgers in this kind of a situation because They've done a, a fantastic job of this. Look at to all look at all the prospects through the years that they decided to hang on to, from Urias to Will Smith to Bellinger to Seeger to all of these guys, Dustin May, even. All of these were talked about in trade rumors for everyone that was on the market, every one of these years. And all of those players helped the Dodgers win a World Series last last year and are going to be big pieces even moving forward. So I really got a little bit of production out of Verdugo before they moved them. Right. Absolutely. I I just, I trust the move. You you get, you get production from Verdugo and then you trade him and you get Mookie Betts back, you you know, like um, the guys that they've decided that they, you know, they've, they felt like aren't, they they don't want a big, big pieces moving forward. Not a ton of them have gone elsewhere and really succeeded. I think maybe Alvarez was one. You know, and I can think of a couple others, but and even when they do, it's great. It's great when it works out well for both teams. You know, uh, I like sure. seeing Alex Verdugo do well for Boston, and because we already got Mookie to help us win a World Series last year. And when Mookie, he's another one. It's like Mookie's not, he's on the the IL right now. He's injured, so it's like, oh yeah, you're gonna get Mookie Betts back. You're gonna get Seager back. Those are other guys that the Dodgers haven't had a, a whole ton of. Mookie was playing the best baseball he had played all year, and then he had to come out of the game. Yeah. Which was so frustrating. He got on like a five or six game stretch where it's like, uh oh, here comes Mookie. And I can pretty much guarantee if he would have been here over the last week, th- some of those games against the Giants would have been a little bit different with the way he was playing. But it's just kind of been that kind of a year for the Dodgers where you look and you go, yeah, their their record's still good and everything makes sense. It's just been like a, if it's not one thing, it's something else. No, you make a lot of sense. I totally agree with you. I think the the one kind of like comp that we can look to in this scenario that I was talking about is that the Giants haven't moved Joey Bart. You would think that his path to the bigs would be blocked because of Buster Posey, but they've transitioned Posey to be a part-time first baseman at times, maybe with Joey Bart in mind. But I love having a two-headed monster. Why not? Why not like develop the guy slowly? To me, it kind of reminds me of, I don't understand why more teams don't do Aaron Rodgers and Brett Favre until Aaron Rodgers is ready and then move away from Brett Favre. 
if more teams did that, their first-round quarterbacks would uh, pan out. And I didn't say that to transition to the NFL, although maybe we can if we've got a moment or two. But do you know what I mean? Like, I I would want to see Ruiz and Will Smith on the same team. Why not? You could afford to do that. Financially, yep. you got the control. I, I, I wouldn't trade him just because you don't feel like there's a spot. One of these guys could play first base. Yep. There's a lot of things that could happen. Like, they both are good enough hitters to where, like, Will Smith has become an excellent hitter. And and that's funny because he was never really projected to be that great of a hitter, which is great. But he's been like awesome. And um, I, I like I said, of all, for a lot of the times, some of the Dodger fans. God, I, I've gotten into it with a lot more Dodger fans than like uh, Laker fans. Like I said, Kuzma, Kenley, Kershaw. These guys get a lot of crap for no reason. You know, um, it's, it's not always the grass isn't always greener. It's not always better. Um, the Dodger. The Dodger ownership has gone out and made moves every deadline, and I'm pretty confident they're either going to get Barrios or Scherzer. If they don't like line up and and be able to steal Scherzer away, I think they'll go get Barrios or maybe even somebody else that's another like could start a game two or a game three for them that we're that we're not even thinking of. Yeah, you know what? I still come back to to thinking they don't need to because let's just fast forward to the postseason. We you know. What do you do with a fourth guy? I mean, you got Clayton Kershaw, you got Urias, you got Bueller. I think ideally they put Urias back where he was last year, and and give them the that they. I think what they what like they always would do with Maeda is like having that guy that can come out and maybe give you three innings to close a game. And remember how awesome Urias was coming out of the pen, being the guy that won the World Series for them last year. So would oh, be yeah. nice. It'd be nice to have him to come up and. You put him in sometimes in the sixth or the seventh, and maybe he's just rolling and you let him close the game out. You don't even have to go to a Kenley or a Blake trying in. But then you want to maybe who knows, maybe his matchup, there's some good some good righties coming up. So you want Blake or you want Kenley. You know, we only have a, a minute or so left, but it's um you I don't think they need to, is what you're what you're saying. Um Yeah, pretty much. Because look, if you look back at the Red Sox first World Series back in 04. Uh, they had Schilling and Pedro, and they rode that all the way. Now, in between, they got good performances out of Derek Lowe, uh, you know, and and some other pitchers filled in really, really well. But for the most part, they're like, hey, these are our two guns. We're going to ride them all the way to the World Series and win a championship. And I think the Dodgers could do the same with Bueller and Clayton Kershaw. I really do. Uh, maybe they're concerned about Kershaw's back a little bit. Um, it seems like he always gets a flare up of his back at some point during the season. I don't know. You know, uh, you can never turn down pitching. I'm just not sure that that should be priority number one. But that's my take on a Gino. And unfortunately, that's all the time we have for this show. It went by really, really fast. I can't wait to see what happens in the next uh, 18 hours or so, Gino. I hope your Dodgers get better. And uh, we'll Thank see you. what the Red, Red Sox, Sox do, my friend. You. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you for listening, as always. Thank you to our guests, Melissa Lockhart and June Lee of ESPN. We'll see you same time, same place next week, everyone. Enjoy your sports weekend. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.